Good evening, everyone. It is I, your hostess, this lovely evening, the first day of spring. I'm very excited about this. I personally love spring. I also love autumn. I love the shoulder seasons, those seasons that other people don't seem to like as much. Thank you all so much for joining me this evening. We're going to be talking about Trump's pending indictment. Very exciting stuff. We're going to be looking at the DA who is considering arresting him and whether there might be some slight political motivation for this. We all know there is. Give me a freaking break. We're also going to look at Ron DeSantis's response and Donald Trump's response to Ron DeSantis's response. And it's pretty toxic. So I hope you guys are ready for this. Uh, I don't think that we have any super hardcore Trump fans in the chat, but we're going to look at this in a balanced way. There is a right way and a wrong way to go about tackling this hard issue of a possible indictment, which I know Trump apparently is stressed about. We're also going to examine a Rolling Stone article, which we don't usually do. We're going to look at Robin D'Angelo. We haven't talked about her in a while. She said something very similar to what, excuse me, Scott Adams said recently. And we're also going to examine President Biden's veto of an ESG bill that was fully bipartisan. So exciting about all of that stuff. Today is a good day. It is a bright, sunny day. I hope you all are well and or enjoying our first spring day. Let's see what our poll is saying. Our poll question is, should all governors have to speak out about possible Trump arrest? 54% say yes. 31% say no. 15% say just DeSantis for some reason, because DeSantis is coming under a lot of fire for his response to this comment about Trump's potential indictment, which is very interesting because he is not the governor of New York. He is not the president of the United States. He's just somebody who might possibly, we're not even sure if he's going to, might be running in 2024. So we can sure get into it in just a minute. Hello, Weesper. Appreciate you joining. Andy's out and about running a couple errands this evening, but he should be back soon. I would have loved to have had him join us tonight. He is such good company when he is able to join. Um, Unfortunately, he's far too too busy for all of that. He's getting a lot of stuff done, which I fully respect and appreciate. Username says, I'm ready for summer to get here. It is on the way. That is what March 20th, 21st has to say about that. So I thought I might mention this to open. It's not really a whole lot to go with. It's just total nonsense. So This lady is Lindsay Gibbs, the gem of this evening's conversation. She is a writer of Power Plays at PowerPlays underscore news, a no BS newsletter, oh gosh, about sexism in sports. So you tell me how you can talk about sexism in sports and have it be no BS. I suspect she is not being forthright. She's co-host of the Burn It Down podcast because everyone has a podcast these days and her pronouns are she slash her good times. All right. So here's what she has to say in response to a statement from a goaltender in the NHL at the San Jose Sharks who made the following statement. Okay. So this is his statement under the umbrella of the NHL's hockey is for everyone initiative. The San Jose Sharks have chosen to wear jerseys in support of the LGBTQIA plus 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 two, three, six, seven apostrophe. Oh no, that's not it. It's just extremely long and I hate it so much. For all 13 years of my NHL career, I have been a Christian, not just in title, but in how I choose to live my life daily. I have a personal faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for my sins and in response asks me to love everyone and follow him. I have no hate in my heart for anyone, and I have always strived to treat everyone that I encounter with respect and kindness. 
In this specific instance, I am choosing not to endorse something that is counter to my personal convictions, which are based on the Bible, the highest authority in my life. I strongly believe that every person has value and worth, and in the LGBTQIA plus community, like all others, should be welcome in all aspects of the game of hockey, of course. His name is James Raymer. Lindsay, our heroine, cannot handle this, and she gets right into it by screaming at him and swearing at, and swearing at him and telling him that he has to wear the ribbon. I don't know if you guys have seen that particular, I think it's, um, Frasier? No, it's not Frasier. Why can't I remember the name of that show? Seinfeld. Oh my gosh, you guys are going to kill me. Seinfeld. There's a Seinfeld episode where he goes to, a, uh, I think, an AIDS walk, and they say, you got to wear the ribbon. And he says, I don't want to wear the ribbon. They're like, well, everyone else is wearing the ribbon. Why aren't you wearing the ribbon? He's like, I just don't want to. And at a certain point, he's like, I'm not going to wear the ribbon because you're telling me I have to wear the ribbon. And I completely understand that. For sure, I'm a little contrarian too. But that's exactly what this feels like, because she is about to scream about this. And I'm going to try to censor it, but bear with me. Under the umbrella of disingenuous BS, you can F right off with this statement. If you truly believed the queer community is welcome in hockey, you'd wear the shirt. You do not get to have it both ways. Jesus is not impressed. Okay, so... Let me stop you right there. I was raised as a Christian. I considered myself Christian for probably the first 18 to 20 years of my existence. I don't know what I am now. I'm very questioning. I'm very open to the idea of faith and all that good jazz. I know what Christianity is about, okay? My parents were very careful to to, to teach us all of the tenets of the faith. Jesus had very firm stances on stuff like sin. He consistently told people to, quote, go and sin no more. Jesus does not have any truck with this kind of, um, as she says, BS. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Leftists constantly do this. They say, Jesus would have let the immigrants in. Jesus would have done this. Jesus would have done this. You know, I think you're stupid for believing in him. Haha. But maybe if I quote him, you'll do what I say. That's exactly what Lindsay is doing here. Here she goes on. Nobody is asking you to F a dude in the name of inclusion. It's a t-shirt. She's getting ratioed royally. (laughs) Holy cow. It's obviously awful that so many hockey players, et cetera, won't wear pride shirts. Is it? Is it, Lindsay? Why is that awful? Are you telling me that a religious conviction that is sincerely held by these players is less important than literally, in your own words, just wearing a t-shirt? That's really interesting. Tell us more. But what ticks me off even more is when they don't wear pride shirts, but still insist that they don't hate the LGBTQ community. If you don't hate the LGBTQ community, wear the shirt. Simple. Why won't you wear the ribbon? Wear the ribbon. Everyone else is wearing the ribbon. I want to refuse to do this super simple thing that affirms the humanity of millions of people, but I don't want anyone to be mean to me about it. That's not what he said. He said, these are my convictions. This goes contrary to my convictions. As a result, I'm going to go with my convictions. Simple as. And she is saying that wearing a t-shirt affirms the humanity of an entire group of people, to which I just have to say, how fragile are these people that their humanity, first of all, needs to be affirmed, and second of all, can be so easily affirmed just by wearing an item of clothing? That's very strange to me. I don't like it. It smacks to me of disingenuity. I don't like it. Let's see what Zed Jelani says. Why is it necessary that every single person endorse this set of beliefs? If your side has overwhelming support, a handful of dissenters here and there doesn't really change anything. It's a great point. Methinks there are cracks in the foundation of this pillar they're trying to pretend is strong. 
Chrissy says, nope, your manipulation has no power here. I don't have to do anything to prove to the masses that I am for or against anything. Compelled speech is the weapon of tyrants. That is exactly what Jordan Peterson said when he was coming up against Bill C-14 in Canada. And it's entirely correct. And someone else says, Linda, honey, it's a shirt. And gives this little flyer about kids learning how to calm themselves down. Take deep breaths, smell the flowers, blow out the candle, count slowly, and relax my body. Adorable. Sure, he can wear one when you wear a shirt that says abortion is murder or Christians rock. And another person responds, nice response, I am gay and not Christian, and you are totally correct. I'm sick of how everything now has to affirm or not offend or include or politicize. It's all so ridiculous. I could not have said it better myself. Hey, Andy is in chat. Wonderful. Thank you, sir. Andy says, don't they call it a hockey sweater? I think they call it, um, crap, what do they call it? A jersey, just a jersey. Uh, Greg Johnson says, almost like it's okay to be you and me. What gays wanted. Exactly. That's now exactly what Christians want. And I have to say, I have a sneaking suspicion that times are going to get very, very hard for Christians in the very near future. And I think I honestly have been watching the Christian church for long enough that I kind of think that that's a great idea. I think that's exactly what the Christian church needs. Um, The Christian church has become incredibly soft, incredibly complacent, incredibly tolerant in ways that they should not be. And they have forgotten that God told them that they needed to follow actual rules and abide by certain actual principles. They've just decided that their main goal is to be nice to everybody. And that was never the main goal, actually. The main goal was to promote truth and to show everyone that God loves them and cares about them and is offering it to save them from their sins. Andy says, no, it's a sweater in hockey. I don't know anything about hockey. You guys tell us, is it a sweater or a jersey? Let us know. I thought it was a jersey. I thought you could buy a jersey. Username says, we have to accept them at all costs, but they don't have to accept us. Then they call us the bad guys. That's right. There's some little quote about journalists saying, the journalist cries out as cries out in pain as he strikes you. Very interesting. Keenan says, I can acknowledge the person and hate the action, condemn the action. That's correct. This is the idea of loving the sinner and hating the sin, which is exactly what Jesus did. He told all of these people with whom he communed, including prostitutes and tax collectors, widely considered the worst of the worst, which is, you know, chapters that Andy and I are learning about in church just recently. And he told them after spending time with them, to go and sin no more. Okay. So he wasn't gracious and accepting of their current lifestyle. He said, you know what? I understand where you're coming from and he doesn't judge them for it per se. He condemns the, the actions, the sin, and he tells them to knock off what they're doing and to go on and to live good lives and to learn more about God. All right, guys, we are going to learn now about Alvin Bragg. And I'm excited about this because there is a lot here. Let me see which way I need to scoop because I don't think I'm centered quite right. Do I need to go this way? Okay, great. Let me scooch a bit. Proof that New York's criminal justice system is broken from soft on crime DA Alvin Bragg himself. This is from June 2022. So this is from a little while ago. Here's Mr. Bragg himself. <sighs> when a perp that 
even let him loose district attorney Alvin Bragg thinks should be locked up. Pretrial is set free. No bail needed. You know something's horribly amiss with New York's criminal justice system. It's easy to see why even the usually soft on crime Manhattan DA wanted Lorenzo McLucas behind bars ASAP. The serial shoplifter had chalked up a mind-boggling 122 arrests, 50 this year alone. Letting him walk and thinking he wouldn't rob again was the very definition of insanity. Bragg's office told the Post it would have asked for pretrial detention here, but thanks to New York's screwed up bail laws, the repeal of the repeat offender couldn't be detained. It's effing ridiculous, a veteran detective fumed to the Post. They just keep letting him out and he does the same thing again. I feel so bad for the people who own retail stores. McLucas is far from the sole example of this pathology, yet much of the blame lies with Bragg himself. This week, he cut a break for two women accused of attacking cops. Earlier this month, Nolan Gonzalez, a sticky-fingered fellow with a long rap sheet, was let go after Bragg's office downgraded his charges, and this has been a trend. They're consistently downgrading charges. New York conviction, New York City convictions plummet, so they're not even convicting people. And when they do, they're downgrading charges. So this is something that Trump has been pushing around, too. My understanding is that Alvin Bragg was actually put into office by none other than George Soros. So let's see if that's true. Oh, here we go from the Daily Mail. How George Soros got him elected. George Soros' man in Manhattan. Uh, billionaire Dem donor funded Alvin Bragg's campaign to the tune of $1 million while he promised to put Trump behind bars. So this was his running strategy, okay? When he was running for this office, he said, look, Mr. Soros, if you fund my campaign and make it so that I can win, I will do everything in my power to put Donald Trump behind bars. This has always been the motivating factor for Alvin Bragg. It was also the motivating factor for Letitia James, if you guys remember her. And she did everything she possibly could. And I have to say that after watching her fail to bring Trump to any kind of so-called justice, because there just was nothing there, I have to think that Donald Trump is probably one of the squeakiest clean presidents we've literally ever had. That's ultimately my conclusion. I think he's a sleazy person with a terrible character, but at the same time, he hasn't done the things that they're accusing him of doing, which is pretty good, pretty good uh, report on his actual character, like his his deep down character. He does cheat on his wife. He does cheat on his taxes. He does all this nonsense stuff. But at the same time, he's not doing illegal things. He's not trying to break the law and all this other stuff. I don't know if you guys remember but when he was talking with... Um, Hillary Clinton at one of the um, debates, I think it was, she accused him of not paying his taxes. And he said, of course I don't. None of your friends do either. And that's why you don't change the laws so they can continue to get away with it. He's like, I don't follow those rules because I'm smart, which I mean, I can't argue with that. Honestly, good for him. But at the same time, everyone has to know that that's where he was at. Like it was, it was a little bit of an open secret that he kind of tried to shy away from all these rules and stuff. And at the same time, I completely understand nobody wants to pay taxes, especially a big business owner. So anyway, this is pretty incriminating from for Alvin Bragg. This is kind of upsetting. But if you guys recall, when Andy and I talked about this on Saturday... There is a very, very flimsy, incredibly flimsy precedent to try to arrest Trump for this. And by flimsy, I mean there is none. This has never been done before. Like they're literally trying to go after um, 
Donald Trump over ridiculous campaign finance allegations involving Stormy Daniels. And it's just, it's nonsense. It's not going to work. And here's what I think happened. So Trump came out and said something along the lines of, I think they're going to arrest me on Tuesday. Like, this is a really big deal. Like, you should get out there and protest. I wish I could find that quote from him. I have another one from him pulled up because he gets really, really sleazy, really, really fast. And I don't appreciate it. But I think that Trump looked at this as an opportunity. If you'll recall from when Andy and I were talking about this on Saturday, Elon Musk came out and said that if they arrested Donald Trump, it would mean he would win in a landslide. And I firmly believe that's why Trump came out and said, oh my gosh, they might arrest me on Tuesday. Holy cow, that's crazy. Because he's like, yes, I can use this. I can look like... Uh, the martyr and the hero and the saint and the man who's being arrested by his political opposition. I think we can all agree that we should never be arresting our political opposition, opposition, period. Like, we are not actually a third world country. We aren't supposed to be a banana republic. Now, whether we are is beside the point, especially given what they did with Trump at Mar-a-Lago and all that other shady nonsense that they pulled and got away with. But even with a Mar-a-Lago raid, they didn't find anything. They didn't find anything. That's what I mean when I say that Trump is the most squeaky clean foreign president that I have seen, certainly in my lifetime. So speaking of Soros funded, we're going to look at Ron DeSantis' response to this because apparently it wasn't enough. Donald Trump had some very spicy things to say about it, including quoting an incredibly shady source that I would never recommend anyone quote. But in the purpose of smearing Ron DeSantis, anything goes apparently, which I really hate. This goes to reflect very poorly on Trump's character. Not the kind of person I want at the helm of the country, but let's see what DeSantis said. A lot of super rabid Trump supporters were saying, this is just a nail in the coffin for him. He'll never win for president, etc., etc. DeSantis slams Soros-funded Manhattan DA for weaponizing the office as Trump rumors swirl. Florida governor says he will not be involved in manufactured circus surrounding potential Trump charges. And before we move on here, let's be very, very clear. Nothing has happened yet with a Trump indictment. All we have is this rumor. Okay, so let's get that very straight. Nothing's happened yet. And I understand not wanting to take a firm stance on something that literally hasn't happened yet. I personally don't like to respond to anything until the dust has settled a little bit until things have unwound a little bit. I don't like to respond in the heat of the moment. It's called the fog of war for a reason. And that's exactly where we are right now. And it seems like Trump, uh, DeSantis seems to understand that. This did not keep Trump from slamming him. So we'll get to that next. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis slammed Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg on Monday as a Soros-funded prosecutor who is pursuing a political agenda and weaponizing the office as he reportedly considers indicting former President Donald Trump on charges of related to alleged hush money payments made to adult film star Stormy Daniels in 2016. So this would be, I believe, a misdemeanor at best. And people have been talking about Trump going to jail. There is no way he wouldn't make bail. He would He would easily be out and walking from this with absolutely no effort on his part. These charges are insanely small, like unbelievable. But the the precedent being set here is that it's okay to go after our political opponents with the law, with the name of the law, which honestly, I can see a lot more of coming down the pike, given what we saw from the the Stanford students who went after that 
judge, fifth district judge who came to speak there. I've seen rumors swirled. I have not seen any facts yet. And so I don't know what's going to happen. That's right. Nobody does. DeSantis said in Florida when asked about the potential indictment of the former president. But I do know, he said, the Manhattan DA is a Soros-funded prosecutor. And so he, like other Soros-funded prosecutors, they weaponize their office to impose a political agenda on society at the expense of the rule of law and public safety. Can anyone here disagree with that? Because I personally cannot. That sounds like a stunning rebuke of this DA and I think entirely deserved. Like he knows his facts. He knows he's Soros backed. He knows he's doing this politically and he knows that there are no facts behind this yet. Nothing has happened yet. He has exactly the right stance on this. I think at least this would be my take as well. But there's a reason I'm not running for president. The potential charges against Trump stem from a $130,000 hush money payment that then-Trump lawyer Michael Cohen made to Daniels, whose legal name is Stephanie Clifford, in the weeks leading up to the 2016 presidential election in exchange for her silence about an alleged encounter with Trump in 2006. Federal prosecutors in the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York opted out of charging Trump related to the Stormy Daniels payment in 2019, even as Cohen implicated him as part of his plea deal. The Federal Election Commission also tossed its investigation in the matter in 2021. Yeah, I recall the Stormy Daniels case not going anywhere, if you remember that. And so you're talking about this situation with, and like, I don't know what goes into paying hush money to a porn star to secure silence over some kind of alleged affair. I just can't speak to that, he said. So he has no personal firsthand knowledge of the actual allegations behind the attempts to indict Trump. But what I can speak to is that if you have a prosecutor who is ignoring crimes happening every single day in his jurisdiction, like we saw, and he chooses to go back many, many years ago to try to use something about porn star hush money payments, you know, that's an example of pursuing a political agenda and weaponizing the office, DeSantis said. And I think that is fundamentally wrong. DeSantis said Soros-funded prosecutors may carry out a high-profile politicized prosecution, and that's bad. Of course it is. But the real victims are the ordinary New Yorkers, ordinary Americans, and all these different jurisdictions that they get victimized every day because of the reckless political agenda that Soros DAs bring to the job. He's entirely correct. The Soros DAs are the ones who release the criminals who go on to target the ordinary person day after day after day after day. They ignore crime and they empower criminals and that hurts people, hurts a lot of people every single day. Hey, that's exactly what I just said. In 2022, during Bragg's first year as Manhattan's top prosecutor, he downgraded more than half of felony cases to misdemeanors. He campaigned on criminal justice reform and sent a day one memo to staff upon taking office to downgrade certain felonies, such as armed robberies of commercial businesses. The move came at a time when crimes were up 27.6% in New York City. Fox News Digital Fox News Digital previously reported Bragg declined to prosecute 35% more felony cases than in 2019. These Soros district attorneys are a menace to society, DeSantis continued, and I'm just glad that the only governor in the country that's actually removed I'm just glad I am the only governor in the country who has actually removed one from office during my tenure and he did. He did. And I really don't want to hear criticism of him as being compromised by outside funding because he actually did go in and remove a Soros-backed DA in Florida. So let's put that to bed. Some of these allegations are so 
inherently silly. It's just kind of gross to me because you can have criticisms of a politician and be honest about them. And I know that politicians is kind of a greasy, gross politics is kind of a greasy, gross business. But at the same time, you can have straightforward complaints and you can have honest disagreements and you can have real issues that you take with politicians because they are supposed to be serving the people, not themselves. As for uh, last year, Trump's DeSantis suspended State Attorney General Andrew Warren, a Democrat prosecutor backed by liberal billionaire George Soros, for neglecting his duties. Warren had pledged not to bring charges against anyone who violated state abortion restrictions or bans on gender transition procedures for minors. Warren is currently suing DeSantis. I don't see him winning because if you are serving in the position of a state attorney general in the state passes laws that say abortion after 15 weeks is illegal or gender transition surgeries for minors are also illegal, you are not going to have a leg to stand on when you look at the governor and say, how dare you fire me? All I was doing was completely disregarding the laws of the state from my very personal position as state attorney general. Excuse me, a secretary, state attorney. Yeah, state attorney. Pardon me. Yeah, he's not actually the attorney general. I have no interest in getting involved in this some type of manufactured circus by some Soros DA, he said. He's trying to do a political spectacle. He's trying to virtue signal for his base. I've got real issues I've got to deal with here in the state of Florida. Yeah, okay. And I have to ask why a governor of another state has to weigh in on this, because no one has yet been able to answer this for me. And people have very sharp criticisms of DeSantis for this, but at the same time, I'm like... He's in another state, okay? Different state. Nothing has happened. And he's calling out, uh, uh, excuse me, Prosecutor Bragg. He's not saying nothing. Although maybe at this point it would be better if he had said nothing because people are giving him crap for doing that. He's very much darned if he does, does darned if he doesn't in this instance. Trump on Monday afternoon responded to DeSantis on his True Social account. Rondi Sanctimonious will probably find out about false accusations and fake stories, all caps, sometime in the future. Who I wonder who would be bringing those false accusations against Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump, as he gets older, wiser, and better known when he's unfairly and illegally attacked by a woman, even classmates that are underage or possibly a man, Trump posted. What? I'm sorry, what? Okay, let's look at this tweet. Let's look at the actual true social post. He is quoting a group called Midas Touch. And we're going to look at Midas Touch because Rolling Stone has a little something to say about them. If you guys aren't familiar with Midas Touch, they are one of the most vehement leftist super PACs that was lobbying against Trump during his election. So let's read a little bit about them. The trouble, says the Rolling Stone, with Midas Touch. Oh, interesting. A little infighting on the left. The brothers behind the breakout anti-Trump pack are golden boys of the resistance. Hashtag resistance. But when Rolling Stone took a look beneath the surface, their response turned Trumpian. Oh my, maybe this is why Trump now apparently likes Midas Touch, who did nothing but lobby against him and his campaign for the entire time that he was running. This is insane to me. Like either he doesn't know who Midas Touch is, just like he didn't know the definition of the word sanctimonious, or he doesn't care and he thinks that all is fair in love and war. 
Last August, in the midst of a presidential battle that would determine the future of America, okay, be more dramatic, an upstart liberal group called Midas Touch sent its supporters an urgent call to action. Tonight is a huge night, they declared on Twitter. We are giving half of our contributions directly and immediately to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. We're proud to have already chipped in $25,000 to their campaign, retweet, and chip in here. For Midas Touch, the pro-Biden blitz was part of a rapidly expanding political action committee that turned viral tweets and posts into campaign contributions. Founded by three brothers, the group says it has generated more than a billion views on social media, mocking and humiliating Trump and his enablers. Interesting choice of people to defend President Donald Trump. That is wild to me. And I have to say, it's either he's just being political or he doesn't know who they are. And I can't decide which is worse because if you're going to quote tweet someone, if you're going to share what someone said, you better make damn sure you know who they are and what they're saying. Because if you're just running your mouth, that's going to come back to bite you. I'm sorry. Regular people don't like this. Pro-Trump fans love this stuff. They think it's great, but I'm willing to bet you that that demographic of rabid pro-Trump supporters is rapidly shrinking. And I don't think that just catering to that base is going to be enough for President Trump. Three brothers who founded Midas Touch sell themselves as a progressive breakout success of the 2020 election cycle, weaving a narrative of a start-from-scratch operation that thanks to a gift for creating viral anti-Trump videos and a unique understanding of the digital tide, rapidly blossomed into a behemoth of democratic politics. We've become the most recognizable and impactful brand name in progressive politics in the 30 days since we launched. That is a great indictment of Midas Touch. I'm sorry. I just, I I couldn't believe that Donald Trump was sharing this from Midas Touch. I was grossed out. I was grossed out. And it's so interesting what Trump says here at the end. I'm sure he will want to fight these misfits just like I do. Okay. Let me stop you right there. You're not making friends or influencing Trump people, Trump. This is not okay. This to me is so disgusting and slimy. He just sounds like anybody else who's worked in Washington for the last 10 decades. This literally sounds like Joe Biden strategies, except a little more salty. Ron DeSantis called out the DA, Alvin Bragg, as being Soros-supported and politically motivated. And I'm not exactly sure what Trump wants him to do. I have it in from Trump's own mouth that he thought that sanctimonious meant unloyal. And I cannot tell you how disgusting it is to think that this there is a political actor in American politics whose highest priority for people who like and follow him is loyalty, because that doesn't sound like a leader to me. That sounds like a mob boss, and I don't like it. As you can tell, I'm pretty upset about President Trump's actions. I do not think he's in any way being moral or upstanding. He is not demonstrating the values that I need and look for in a president. And if it comes down to it, I haven't decided what I'll do in 2024, but I am very much not in favor of this kind of ideas. I don't want to put a person with this short a fuse in charge of the country, especially after Joe Biden's tenure. We need somebody who is chill 
and calm and who's just going to look at everything rationally and be like, okay, here's what we need to do. Here's how we fix this mess. And here's how we move forward. Not somebody who is stuck in third grade, throwing stones at somebody who is supposedly threatening them for something that they're trying to claim moving forward. I just find that so immature and it's just, it's disheartening. Okay. It really is. And it's like, I'm looking for someone who will give me that sense that the U.S. is back on course, that the U.S. is actually going to be sane and stable and safe again. Somebody who's going to be willing to do things like actually fire people who need it. Like, for example, Anthony Fauci and never have hired John Bolton in the first place and never have pushed for ridiculous vaccination. (sighs) But I digress. I respect that Ron DeSantis fired the DeSoros, the Soros, excuse me, DeSoros, the Soros affiliated attorney in Florida. And I really hope that other governors will follow his lead. I'd have to say, I thought it was super interesting that Ron DeSantis had to speak out about this, but at the same time, no other governors were expected to do so. And I wonder if this is just because this is what is expected from a potential front runner in um, 2024. So, Let's see what you guys are thinking. Oh, Andy. Andy's there. Wonderful. Love the intro. Yeah, it's good times, right? Love the guy who made the music for us. Andy says he's at a red light and he's pretty over Trump. Yeah, I. there's a lot of hyperbole there that I'm just really ready to get away from there. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it is dis- disheartening. I'm, I'm just kind of sick of it. Like, I listen to... I listened to Joe Biden say these awful, awful things day in and day out. And I watched him start his campaign on a lie. And I'm tired of it. I really am. And we know for a fact that what um, Donald Trump is saying and that Midas Touch is promoting, that Ron DeSantis was partying probably illicitly with underage women, is not truthful or accurate. And I am tired of half-truths and full dishonesty like we see from Joe Biden. I'm sick of it. I don't want it from Trump. I don't want it from Biden. I don't want it from anyone. And that would go for anyone. I don't care. It could be Nikki Haley who could be in the lead of the the GOP presidential uh, nomination race. Doesn't matter. I don't want someone who's going to lie about anything, pretty much. I'm sick of politicians who just do nothing but lie. It's very, very tiresome. Oh, I got to switch to live chat here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, all governors should have to speak out about possible Trump arrest. Interesting. Okay. Well, I personally, I have an issue with that, too, because I don't think that a president, uh, uh, sorry, a judge, I can't talk, a governor of a different state that has nothing to do with New York or anything to do with Alvin Bragg or George Soros or anything like that has any kind of responsibility to talk about this. Now, what they could do is put out a statement like Kevin McCarthy did because he has a really important role to play. He needs to say, for example, this is terribly politically motivated. This is a terrible idea. We should not go through with this. Bad, 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 bad news. And that's exactly what he's said. Um, but I don't think that all governors need to say that. I think that just needs to be the common thread among the right, that this is a horrible idea because it is. It is. I really don't care what Trump says or does. They should not be going after him politically like this. I just think that's a bottom line, obviously. Um, Serenko says Trump is a Florida citizen, right? Maybe that's why, possibly, but nothing has been said about Trump being a Florida citizen. In fact, in Trump's response, nothing about the fact that he's a Floridan. And he only recently moved from the city of New York to the state of Florida. And I don't think that's a huge factor in this. Possible. 
possible. That might have been why the reporter was asking about it in the first place. Greg says they don't believe in privacy or separation of power. They are totalitarian cultists. Yes, especially people who are funded by Soros. 100% that we can all agree on. Greg Johnson says Soros straight straight up looks like Oswell Spencer from Resident Evil. Jeez, yes, correct. He looks like a movie villain and he's something like 90 something years old and he's just never going to die because people like that just don't die and it's terrible. Uh, guacamole man says, so basically jaywalking charges. It is, it is. And then goes on to say Clinton did worse and got nothing. That's right. That's how you know this, this is politically oriented. Of course it is. There is a serious issue here that should not be happening. I'd be up in arms about this happening to literally anyone, but Trump is not endearing himself to many as he should be right now. He is instead choosing to take aim at his political opposition, which is currently Ron DeSantis. And he looks like a terrified man. He looks like a scared, weak man. And I don't like it. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's no good. All right. We are going to talk now. I just wanted to mention this because just to give you guys some context about this, I don't know if you guys recall from about a month ago, um, Scott Adams got into a whole heap of trouble for saying that he looked at a poll, he looked at the numbers and he said, you know what? It looks to me Like we have a demographic disagreement about whether it's okay to literally have the skin pigmentation that white people had. His conclusion, which I thought was a little hyperbolic and a little fully unnecessary, was that white people should move away from black people because they clearly don't like them very much, et cetera, et cetera. He was obviously extrapolating really heavily from a, you know, a poll that was only taken of like 1800 people or whatever. I do think it's unsafe to assume that everybody in the country thinks exactly along the lines of the people who are included in a very small poll from Pew Research. But on that line, you know who else said the exact same thing, but from the opposite direction was Robin DiAngelo. So White fragility author warns people of color, that is black people, African-American people, to, quote, get away from white people. DeAngelis is a woke Bull Connor, a Twitter user reacted. Interesting take. One white liberal author's unusual advice to combat racism is raising eyebrows on Twitter. Yes, because to me that sounds like segregation. Robin DiAngelo, author of the New York Times bestseller White Fragility, suggested part of racial justice and progress meant going back to racial segregation. People of color need to get away from white people and have some community with each other, she said on the March 1st webinar entitled Racial Justice, the Next Frontier. In the conference, D'Angelo also complained about whites being uncomfortable with anti-racist initiatives and argued more radical change was needed in the workplace. She suggested it should be a basic qualification for employees to engage in conversations about anti-racism. So she's just an authoritarian. Absolute nonsense. What I want to do is create a culture that actually spits out those who are resistant. So she literally wants cultural enforcement against people who don't like her ideas. I'm sure there's a name for that somewhere. It's just not springing to mind. The left-wing activist was on a panel with diversity, equity, and inclusion consultants Mary Frances Winters and Marisha N. Reese to discuss the future of DEI when she made these comments. D'Angelo was once one of the most sought-after voices from liberal media outlets to comment on racism and promote critical race theory ideas. Her most recent book title, The Facilitator's Guide for White Affinity Groups, oh, she really does want 
she really does want segregation because white affinity groups are where you remove all the black people and all the white people get to hang out. Sounds a little bit racist, but what do I know? I'm not sufficiently woke. Strategies for leading white people in an anti-racist practice, suggesting she believes whites should stay within their own racial social circles. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that everybody in the KKK thought the exact same thing. Her racially charged comments around enraged conservatives on Twitter. Robin D'Angelo sounds like an old line segregationist, anti-racist expert. Chris Rufo tweeted in response to the clip. Conservative podcast host Ali Bassucky said D'Angelo's comments sounded like racial comments made by Dilbert creator Scott Adams recently that caused several newspapers to pull his long-running cartoon. That's right. So Scott Adams was punished for having this hyperbolic and somewhat silly idea about segregating away from people of other races. Robin D'Angelo is celebrated for it. When Robin D'Angelo says it, it's inspirational and she gets paid $20,000. When Scott Adams says it, it's racist and he loses his job, she tweeted. Daryl B. Harrison, director of digital platforms at Grace Hugh Ministries, argued that D'Angelo's comments revealed her own racist attitudes. That's right. And we've seen this looking at the contents of her book. For people like Robin D'Angelo, it's always other people... Uh, other white people who black people need to get away from, but never her. D'Angelo is a woke bull Connor, only instead of dogs and fire hoses, she uses the divisive and factious tenets, I think he might have meant fractious, of critical race theory to keep blacks in their place, he tweeted. Yeah, entirely correct. That's crazy to me. And I just wanted to point out, first of all, that this happened. I remember when we were looking through her book, she was pointing out that she was the one who felt nervous when a, mi- a minority person entered the room. She was the one who would clutch her purse a little bit tighter and move a little bit away and try to make sure that she wasn't, you know, exposing that person to her whiteness. That's what she said. But to me, it always just sounded like she was incredibly racist and she couldn't just come out and say it because she felt guilty about it. So to me, she just sounds like she is projecting a lot of this racism. She's projecting that she actually wants segregation and I don't love it. Whereas I always thought that Scott Adams was just a little bit hyperbolic and overly expanding on a poll that he read because I never have thought that he is racist in any way, but I have for a very long time now thought that Robin D'Angelo is refusing to accept her own actual racism, which is really funny to me. Very ironic. Oh yeah. The reason was coffee was made for black people by black people. That's right. Have you guys heard the new racist thing is drinking coffee? Isn't that interesting? I remember the time when it was putting milk in your coffee that was considered racist because white people apparently can process milk better than some other racial groups, which is just utter nonsense. Absolutely insane. That was from Brie. Username says this is the same lady that supposedly was uncomfortable at a predominantly black picnic. She is the racist. Yes. She actually is. And fun story about the word picnic. So Andy and I, when we were looking around for a good church, when we were still in Maryland, actually stopped in at a Quaker group, which was a really fun and interesting experience. But the only thing that I really, really recall from there, the thing that actually stood out to me the most was that this group, this long beleaguered group that has been persecuted by every, from every single angle for decades and centuries. These are the people who are behind pacifism, people who are behind pushing for the freeing of slaves. 
these people with that much history behind them were sitting in this cute little room in mostly complete silence and they were mulling over. They were really, really conflicted about whether the word picnic was incredibly racist, which has actually been fully debunked, fully disproven, 100%, literally Snopes agrees that it's complete nonsense, but they were very, very worried about this. And it really made me think because I was like, guys, your forebears literally freed slaves and you're over here in woke America being super worried about the word picnic. First of all, you haven't even done your homework because it means absolutely nothing racial when you actually look at it and look at the history. And it's been fully debunked even by left-leaning fact check sites. But how far have we fallen? And this is what I mean when I say, and I don't mean this unkindly, this is what I mean when I'm talking about, I think the American Christian church needs a, a kind of persecution that will push them to get serious about what they actually believe. And I do believe that it's I do firmly believe it's going to reduce the number of attendees to Christian churches because only the people who actually really truly believe in the tenets of Christianity are going to stick around when the pedal hits the metal. Um, And I don't think it's going to be easy. It's certainly not going to be fun. But I was thinking about this and I actually tweeted about it and people kind of pushed back on me, which I thought was great. And I think they were right. But I said, I'm torn between wanting my children to have this super easy life and knowing that they will need hardship to make them strong. And people basically came up to me and they were like, hey, you know what? You really need to want your kids to have kind of hard, really kind of challenging lives. And I said, yeah, I think you're right. Because I was reflecting back on my youth, on my growing up, and I always chose the most difficult path to try to make sure that I was prepared for whatever came. I didn't end up going to college because I wasn't sure what I should go for. Later, I went back for surgical tech classes. But when I was growing up, I always tried to look at the world and say, how can I do the hardest thing so that everything else seems easy? And that's always kind of been my approach. I was like, okay, I'm going to imagine the worst possible outcome, which is actually a very stoic idea. And I'm tapping my desk because I have a bunch of quotes from old stoics on it. And those ideas guide me very strongly. So what you want to do is to constantly envision the worst possible outcome. And when you do that, it's going to make you more willing to do what is commonly called swallowing the frog. So the first thing in the morning, there's a silly joke, the silly little um, story, like it's very... It's like a parable or something where you open your eyes and there's a mouth, uh, a mouth, there's a frog sitting on your face and you have to, before you can move, you have to swallow the frog. It's going to be the hardest thing you do all day and you're going to do it first because after that, everything else is going to be easy. And I honestly feel that that's exactly what the Christian church needs uh, specifically and what the American culture needs desperately needs as well. I think we need for things to become very difficult. I think we've had far too long of good times. I think I was thinking about the um, saying goodbye to the Amer- uh, the boomer American dream in greater depth since we talked about it a little bit in the past more recently. And I was like, you know what? The reason that we all thought that everything would be easy and fun and nice, that we'd be able to own a little house, the little white picket fence um, going into our adulthood was because that was what we had seen. And we expected everything to stay the same. Unfortunately, that is not what happened. 
Not at all. That's never what happens. Good times don't last unless they are interspersed with difficult times. And I'm firmly convinced that's what we're going into. And I'm also firmly convinced that it's going to make people with great moral character that much stronger. And it's going to make people with weak character fall apart altogether and just be removed from the picture totally. They will lose all their relevance. So I'm really curious what the U.S. is going to look like over the course of the next 50 years. Hopefully I'm still here by the time that rolls around, although I know I am expected to have a slightly shorter lifespan because of having multiple cirrhosis, but we'll see. I'm going to do my best to beat that and see where we go from there. A lot of new treatments have come up lately, so I'm not super worried about that. But I hope that over the course of the next 50 years, times become almost as challenging as the times that gave us for example, the greatest generation, because those people that I took care of when I was working in retirement homes and in the hospital and everything, those are some seriously high quality people. They are unwilling to complain. They were very oriented toward their families. They understood what was important and they knew what to stand by as they were staring down hard times. And I can't help but respect that. And I think that's the way, that's exactly how I want my children to be. And I know that my kids can't get there with good times. So I have to say that I am actually strangely grateful that we're going into these hard times because it's going to make Andy's and my children good people. I am firmly convinced. I don't think the ease of living is going to make anybody good. I think it's going to make them easily misled. I think it's going to make them lazy. It's going to make them feel purposeless. And I don't know, you guys look at libs of TikTok's feed and tell me that that's not at least partly because we have way too much ease. I can tell you right now that if it were difficult to acquire food or any of the basic human necessities that we need for everyday living, no one would be thinking about what pronouns people called them. Absolutely no one. And I think part of the reason that we have things like obesity, we have such cases of depression and anxiety and all this other stuff is at least partly because we have too much ease of access to all this stuff. It's not a positive. It's not. Andy says, as long as you outlive me, I'm satisfied. Well, he's a few years older than me, so we'll see what happens. Um, Fear Me It's Bree says, oof, Nixon. Yep. Would love it if he never took us off the gold standard for the final time. I had a huge rant on that last week. Yes. I was talking about that. Uh, WTF happened in 1971. That was one of the things that happened in, and that set the world on this terrible place. Oh yeah. Anyways, and we were listening to Rothbard's Conceived in Liberty before we went to that. There's about eight hours of the audiobook dedicated solely to the history of the persecution of the Quakers. That's right. They went through incredibly difficult things. Hard times made them incredibly great people. And then soft times are making them into this. People who are afraid of the word picnic. Like, it's such a sharp dichotomy to me. I'm like, it just blew my mind at the time. I was like, where's your sense of pride that your forebears actually helped overturn the human institution? The the entire history of humankind has been based, at least in part, on using humans, other humans, as a medium of exchange. And you are here worried about the word picnic. You helped end that. And now you're worried about a word because it might offend someone. No one. There were even African-American people in their congregation who were like, no, I'm, I'm not offended by this. I see nothing wrong with it. They didn't care. They were worried about some mysterious outside force that would be utterly scandalized by the use of this word and truly injured. But I digress. All right. Let's look at this last one. I was irritated by this as well. 
Biden issues first veto of his presidency over influence from, quote, MAGA Republicans. Okay, so if this is the bill I'm thinking it is. All right, let's see here. What bill is it? Republican-led pro-legislation. Yeah, okay. This bill was bipartisanly supported by both parties. That's what that means. Because they wanted to target some of the ESG investments. So let's read here. Republican-led legislation prevented Biden's administration from taking environmental, social, and corporate governance issues into account when making investment decisions. GOP lawmakers argue ESGs are a measure of corporations' loyalty to woke cultural movements and should not be taken into account. They're entirely correct. I just vetoed my first bill. This bill would risk your retirement savings by making it illegal to consider risk factors MAGA House Republicans don't like. Your plan manager should be able to protect your hard-earned savings whether Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene likes it or not, he announced in a Monday tweet. The bill specifically ended enforcement of the new Labor Department rule that urged private retirement plan fiduciaries to consider ESG in their investment decisions. Ridiculous. This is ridiculous. This is Joe Biden in action. Okay, these are more of the partisan lies that I hate to see from Biden. Really, really, really hate to see them from the right. And I am just, I hate it. I hate from both angles. I This is probably the biggest issue that I have with politics in general is this willingness to lie, to win. It's just, it's bad for the human soul. It really is. Under the rule, fiduciaries that make investment decisions for the retirement plans of more than 150 million people would be explicitly permitted under federal guidelines to consider companies' approach to climate change and other social issues instead of focusing only on profitability and return on investment for retirees. Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat West Virginia, blasted Biden for the veto on Monday, saying Biden was placing radical social agendas over the American people. Well, we know this is exactly what he does because we've seen what's happening to the American economy. We've seen how they printed tons and tons and tons of new money, and it's going to lead to horrible outcomes for the average American person whom Joe Biden claims to represent. He's lying. He's always lying. And it's just... It's kind of sickening to me to watch this happen because I, our country was already kind of in a frail state before Biden took office. And it's generally, genuinely made me concerned that our country might actually not survive a further year or whatever we have left, year and a half with Joe Biden moving forward. It's distressing to me, but I hope that the Republicans will not give up. I hope that they will continue to push forward on this and I hope that they will hammer it anywhere they can. And I hope they will, they will keep talking about it nonstop because this cannot be dropped. Like this can't be dropped. We have to continue to push this kind of stuff. And I'm actually really kind of grateful that Kevin McCarthy got in because he does seem to be a relatively reasonable voice as far as the Republicans go. Like he, as I said earlier, he was speaking out about Alvin Bragg and negatively, which is great. But let's see what you guys are thinking. Uh, Geo says, weaponized, like shaming, love it. Fear Me It's Bree says that actually sounds incredibly interesting. Actually something I'd read slash listen to. Yes, you should definitely check out Conceived in Liberty if you like stories about horrible things happening to Quakers and I assume relatively uh, a relatively wide array of other things as well. I just remember that especially. Wake Up Beverly says, 15 of you haven't hit the like button. How dare you? I'm coming to your houses and making you watch 24 Hours of Joy Behar laughing on a loop. Oh my gosh, don't do that. That's a horrible threat. Why would you do that? 
Username says, next thing you know, drinking water is racist because people in Flint can't drink their tap water. That's right. You better believe it. Greg says, breathing air is racist. You would not believe the things that are considered racist. Literally everything. Like, come up with a topic or an item or an object, and it's probably been called racist by the mainstream media over the last couple years, for sure. Oh, let's see here. Username says this is the same lady that supposedly was uncomfortable as in a predominantly black. Yes, that's correct. That's the lady. St. Miles says interesting show for dip and dot treats. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. As always, you guys are welcome to disagree with me on my take on President Trump. I know there's a lot of disagreement with me. People like to say that I have TDS. I do not. I neither have TDS nor TIS, which is what I call this in irreverent love for Trump, which is Trump infatuation syndrome. Um, he's not Jesus. He's just a man. He's a politician, which means he works for me, not vice versa. I don't owe him anything. In fact, neither does any other politician. Sometimes politicians work together to help each other get elected, and that's great. I like to see that kind of teamwork from, you know, either side of the aisle. I think that's pretty cool when people can work together to accomplish their goals. But if I helped you with something, you don't owe me anything. That's not how favors work. That's like a human thing. Now, I know I might just be arguing with the nature of politics itself. Whatever. That's fine. I know politics are often skeevy and shameful and kind of gross and disgusting, but whatever. That's fine. I just don't think that Donald Trump should be operating on the same paradigm as Joe Biden. Donald Trump should be telling the truth where Joe Biden is constantly lying. Period. That's just the truth. I'm sorry. Um, I think the right has every right to demand truth from their leaders. Oh, you know what was interesting? I saw that Michael Knowles was saying, let's see if we can find this tweet because I thought he had a really good take on this. Oh, Knowles, not malice. Michael J. Knowles. Let's see what we got here. He was talking about how we can push back against what's happening in New York. So he's talking to a lot of his critics, which is fine. Wow, beautiful. That's the medieval church. There's a quote here. People were so backward during medieval times. A presidential candidate who ran on a platform of imprisoning criminals and institutionalizing lunatics could win 50 states. I think he's right about that for sure. Here we have the um, message from the Catholic Health Services, which is awesome. All right, let's see. I wanted to see where he thinks, what he thinks should happen with... Republicans when it comes to this ridiculous DA in New York City. Oh, here we go. The greatest threat to Western civilization today is not Russia. It's probably more than anything else ourselves and some of the horrible USA hating people that represent us. That's correct. But at the same time, I know Trump's the one that said that. At the same time, I don't think that Trump can accurately represent uh, the US if he's not willing to tell the truth. Like, period. Overall. I can't find it, but he was talking about how if this goes through where President Trump actually is indicted for this silly nonsense, like silliest stuff in the world, um, he ab every single Republican or as many Republicans as humanly possible should push to arrest their political opposition. And I can't decide if that's a good thing or not because I don't like the tit for tat. I really don't like the idea of returning one thing for the other. But at the same time, it's really hard to see that they would take the weight of their own actions seriously unless it was leveraged against them. Guys, let me know what you think in the chat. I'm just not sure yet. I just saw that earlier today and I was very intrigued. 
Wicked Waverly says, going to have to check out soon. Watching live from the shack and running low on power. Need to invest, invent a self-contained system of creating electricity. So any engineers out there, let me know how to do that. That is a great idea. Definitely. I'm about to wrap it up here as well. Just a couple more minutes. Andy still is not back. How dare he? What a traitor. Um, he must be stuck in traffic. That always takes a long time living in the city. I know it's tough, especially at, um, uh, especially at rush hour. There we go. Awesome. Okay. Cool beans. All right, you guys, I'm going to end it here. Thank you all so much for joining me. I hugely appreciate it as always. Ah, Andy finally made it back. Yay. He didn't die. Awesome. You're going to let dot out. Um, I will see you all tomorrow. Same time, same place. Hopefully we'll have more positive news to talk about. I'm kind of on edge as far as the Trump indictment goes. I don't think it's likely to happen. I think that Trump was just saying that to get people riled up about it because like Elon Musk was saying, if this does happen, he will end up being reelected in a landslide. But we'll see. Anything can happen. The world's very interesting. So tune in tomorrow night, same time, same place. And I will see you all next time. Bye, guys. How's it going?